is the moment UFC fans around the world have been waiting for. It's time! Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Red Belt Report monthly podcast where we talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Bob Fallon. I'm your co-host, Bruce Fallon. And on this episode, this uh, final episode of the podcast as you and us know it currently, we're going to talk about UFC 219, the UFC's year-end show that just happened this past weekend. We're also going to take a look back at UFC on Fox 26 and UFC Fight Night 123 before getting into the second annual Red Belt Awards. Dun, dun, dun. One of my favorite things to do since I keep track throughout the year, uh, input all the, you know, keep it updated with all the categories, what I think is the worst fight, best fight, blah, 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 blah. This is yeah. the culmination of everything. This is. Uh, I wish I could, like, pull an Ariel Hawani and have the. Uh our fight of the year winners like on the podcast but we're not quite up there yet <laughs> yeah i listened to that show that was pretty fun uh, yeah, ours is was. not going to be four hours long but um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no they do a great job with that and uh yeah i uh i love looking back at the year pick thing and uh picking out what was best and i also like looking ahead and predicting stuff for the year to come which we will do on the next episode slash first episode of failing to communicate uh, our new podcast which i'm going to try to set it up so it's basically the same feed no idea how i'm going to do that yet but i'll find a way i'll find a way we'll stumble upon it yeah we'll keep you in the loop but anyway let's get into ufc 219 we got a lot to get to uh basically the main event cyborg oh my god i can't talk Today, Cyborg versus Home was uh, was the main event. This this card took a lot of yeah, injuries. It was, uh, uh, right, this was. Sp- I guess it was long. I think Home was definitely the biggest contender for her. I can't say it was like long anticipated fight, but it was definitely the best fight they could put on at uh, one forty five. There for the amount of short notice they had, you know, like uh, the rumors were Nate Diaz versus Tyron Woodley were going to be on here. Uh, yeah. At one point, you had Dominic Cruz versus Jimmy Rivera, then Jimmy Rivera versus John Lineker, and then no Jimmy Rivera whatsoever. Yeah, I think Emil Meek was supposed to fight on this, too. Yeah, against Kamaru Usman. That didn't happen. That got postponed. I think that's happening uh, one of the events coming up in the next few weeks. Yeah, it was basically a cursed card, and as a lot of people have been saying, that's kind of what you get when, first of all, you load up on event like 217 with the three title fights, but also when you basically just have your whole schedule set for the whole year and there's a pay-per-view every three or four weeks, I mean, they're trying to fit square pegs in the round holes. You know, they wait. It seems like more and more they wait to the very last second to announce main events, co-main events. Basically, 
the way they do things, it's just like it's prone to have a lot of events that, that go down like this because it's just not possible to get the good fights that they need to make it a great event. Yeah, and it just goes to show that 2017, all in all, was not the not the year they wanted to have. No, absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, it had its moments. We'll get to a lot of those moments uh, in the yeah. second half of the show, but absolutely a big disappointment after 2016, which was like probably the greatest year ever in the sport, or at least in the promotion. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. All right, let's get to the main event. Christine Justino Cyborg defeated Holly Holm, the preacher's daughter, by <laughs> unanimous decision. I believe it was 48-47, 48 Yeah, which is a lot closer than I thought it was going to be on the scorecards. Yeah, I mean... It's it's tough because, I mean, I had Cyborg winning every round, but, I mean, Holm wasn't... At least 4-1, to one, yeah. It was competitive, yeah, at least 4-1, to one. but it was competitive, like, the whole time. It wasn't like a blowout or a beatdown, it was just Cyborg was pretty much putting on a clinic, even though Holm stayed tough and landed some offense of her own when she needed to. Uh, yeah. You had yeah. a hot take when uh, you messaged me after the fight. Want to say? Yeah, basically, I just said I, 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 it, like you said, it wasn't a terrible fight or anything. It wasn't a blowout, but I was disappointed in Holly Holmes' performance and her strategy at the same time. I thought, I think this was probably the last gasp of Holly Holmes will get. I just think the Ronda Rousey fight clearly, obviously, was her high point, but her strategy of just those coming in real quick, those pitter patter combos, it just just did not work in this fight and I thought it was clear from the get-go um like you, you said uh Cyborg was put on the clinic I, I thought she didn't do bad and she did well but uh Holly Holm basically had just pitter-patter punches and a step out a step out on uh Cyborg's front hand or just clinch it was yeah. basically all she had to offer it's true but I mean at the same time what do you expect her to do? Look what, you know, the situations she's being put in. Moving up to a weight class where she really doesn't fit in at 145. Yeah. Uh, against a bigger, stronger, better fighter, pretty much. And I don't know. Cyborg's a beast, and people are scared to fight her for a reason. I mean, I just thought, you know, it was... Uh, I thought she was going to get knocked out in the second or third round. So the fact that she do. stayed competitive the whole time and... I mean, she took some shots, man. She took some heavy uh, punches to the face. And I was yeah. surprised that Cyborg was so smart. Like, I thought she was going to try to, you know, just ambush her and put her away. But she actually uh, boxed really well and and conserved her energy and did what she had to do to win. Because at the same time, Holly Holmes easily the best fighter she's ever fought. In her career. Yeah, definitely. And it was the probably the hardest fight she's ever fought. I yeah. Mean, oh, yeah. Given what she's done, but... Is it the first time I she's ever think, gone the distance, five rounds? Yeah, first time she's ever had a bloody nose, all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I just thought... I mean, Cyborg's just like a stocky sit there and plant. And there, nobody can take those yeah. punches, which I guess credit to Holly Holm, she could. But I, uh, I don't know. I just thought... I thought I would see a little bit more out of Holly Holm. Um, she took bigger leg kicks. 
Uh, I thought she would throw some leg kicks and body kicks. Every yeah. head kick she threw was like on the way out and just a shitty head kick. And I just really, I just really expected more out of her performance and her strategy. Also, like I just, it was just the same old shit. Yeah, another thing I feel like is people forget that the Holly Holm that we saw in the Ronda Rousey fight is pretty much the only time we've ever seen that version of Holly Holm. Yeah, and like, they tried to say that she was holding back her two previous fights for Ronda Rousey. That's, that's clearly not shit. the case. Clearly it was just an incredible like matchup. Stylistically, she matched up perfectly with Ronda, their styles. Yeah. But, I mean, look at Holmes, what, first two or three fights? The fights that she had in the UFC before the Ronda fight. Yeah, they tried to say she was holding back. Yeah, I mean. Ronda Rousey see her game. No, she's, that's the same fighter she has been after the Ronda fight. And it's a good fighter. It's a solid fighter. But she's not really a finisher, aside from the betch fight. I mean. Yeah. And, and I know before the in her Prior to being in the UFC, she but had she was a lot on of a regional finishes. scene. Yeah. yeah, she wasn't facing the same level of competition. She's still a, a great fighter, really technically. I mean, she's got great offense, but I don't know. I, I just I think people overrated her because she had just such an incredible performance against Ronda Rousey that yeah. she was put on a pedestal that I don't think she was ever ever gonna match. Yeah, and it has to make you think. I mean. Uh... The performance Ronda Rousey put on after she lost. It was almost the same kind of deal where she was just a punching bag, and that's almost what she was to yeah, Holly Holm. Absolutely. I think yeah. her just her head just was not in fighting anymore. But again, she still beat Ronda at her peak, and I think it was mostly just a stylistic thing. But yeah. um, no, I, I'm not going to go hey, sit here and say, like Ariel Hawani said, that this is a contender for fight of the year or anything. I thought that was a bit much. I mean, I thought I just thought it was a good fight, an entertaining fight. Just to see Cyborg have to work for five rounds was interesting. Uh, I yeah. hope they can continue to find her, um, you know, competitive fights and people that deserve to be in there against her, like Megan Anderson, maybe Amanda Nunes if she's willing to go up. Speaking I, of Ariel Hawani, he says Megan Anderson won't be ready to fight for a while. No, yeah. I, I think that'll happen. I just think it it's not going to be uh, on the Australia card like Cyborg wants. But I just like having Cyborg in the UFC. I like having one of the best fighters in her you know, weight class or, her, or just all of women's MMA, probably the greatest fighter in women's MMA. I just like having her in the sport and in the, the promotion, and hopefully yeah, she agree. can keep showing like, off her skills. Uh, there's just no nothing to offer, man. 145 is dead. It's, it's oh, absolutely. There. They really need... I don't understand it. Look, Flyweight, they actually try to get that division up and running. They have like 15 to 20 girls in the division. They have rankings, the top 15. And this is brand new, a month or two old. <laughs> well, they weren't so hard-headed and want to let Cyborg go right to 145 to so do 140 fights. Could right have away. been built up by now. It might have been something by now. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, you know I mean, they they also let like Bellator and some other like, I mean, Invicta is part of the UFC, but they've let some other talent like the some of the only other well-known talented 145ers go to other promotions, which kind of thins it out even more. Yeah. But uh, what do you yeah. think is next for first Cyborg? I mean, do you think Dana White's pushing Amanda Nunes super fight next? 
which actually kind of makes sense because Megan Anderson won't be ready anytime and I think that would soon. be in Brazil too and Raquel Pennington probably not going to be ready super soon either to fight uh, Amanda Nunes so I would love to see that fight well say a Nunes goes up and fights and loses then what then she came, she goes back down to Bantamweight and fights Raquel Pennington. See, that's what I don't like. You know what I mean? Why is that? Well, it's just more of a chokehold on 135. We don't need yeah, all of them. Yeah, but there are no contenders at 135 right now. We've Remember we talked about this? and Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But I think we wait till Pennington comes back, so we'll have a legit title fight there and then give Cyborg somebody. I don't know. Yeah, I, f- you know what I, mean? I feel like there's no better time than now because... When is Pennington even going to be able to fight again? April, May at the earliest? If you I mean, can when get... is Cyber could fight again? March? She, she said she wants to fight in February on the Australian card. So yeah, if well, she's willing to happen. fight in February, March, then make it happen. I don't know. But also... I feel like you shouldn't fuck two divisions up at once. <laughs> we, one is not a division. And the other one... <laughs> <laughs> The other one has, like, no contenders. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, though. Uh, I guess... I mean, as much as I would love to see uh, Amanda Nunes lose, I don't, I'm not for it. Fair enough, as I untimely take a sip of water. <laughs> uh, I guess the most likely scenario is uh, Cyborg will fight Megan Anderson in, like, I don't know, March, April, and Amanda Nunes will fight... Pennington in like April or May. As far as I'm concerned, I, I let Cyborg fight out or two, three more fights and get the fuck out of Dodge. I think she's not going anywhere as long as she's winning fights and uh, it's basically the Cyborg She's going to go into like cardiac arrest cutting all that weight. She'll be alright. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> that, that might have come off as a brute, but I'm just not a fan of seeing Cyborg fight. It's just, it's just uh, I like it. I like watching her fight. I think if she loses, they'll do immediate rematch. If she loses that immediate rematch, 145 is done. Yeah. It's when, it's, whenever it's, it's, she I, loses I two fights in a row, they're done with featherweight, women's featherweight. Yeah, yeah I agree. As for Holly Holm, I say <laughs> she goes back down to 135, tries to climb that ladder again, and has she's crazy... She's game once or twice more and she's done. It's I mean, yeah, maybe. But she's still a marketable name, and crazy as it sounds... So two title fights at 145, how many at 135? I know. That's a, I mean, that's how insanely big that Ronda Rousey win, Rousey win was, is that, yeah. as crazy as it sounds, she is still one or two fights away from a title fight at uh, at 135, because she's... guys, but hasn't really done that much. Yeah, she's like the Uriah Faber of, uh, but she actually held a belt in the UFC. Yeah, she's she's never fought Amanda Nunes before, and as we said, there's no challenger, so wouldn't take much to get her there. We'll have to see. Yeah. Co-main event: Khabib Nurmagomedov wrecked house and destroyed <laughs> Edson Barbosa. Maybe the most impressive performance of the year. Yeah. In my opinion. Definitely, especially considering the opponent. Yeah, I mean, and even in this fight, Barboza didn't look bad. Like, it's not like he just folded over and let 
Khabib just take him down and, you know, he actually was fighting his hardest and he is legitimately a top five lightweight, which is, it's crazy. Um, scary almost. Very scary. The The scariest thing is if, if Khabib is going to be dedicated and seem like this weight cut was no problem whatsoever, he was the first person on the scale as soon as it, Second. Okay. Well, one of them. <laughs> first five minutes, right? He was... He was there. He was easily on weight. That's scary. And I mean, 30-25, Have you ever seen a thirty twenty four? I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's been one, but that was a legit one. And he yeah. could have. It seemed like he could have finished him if he wanted to. He was trying. It was almost yeah. like he was trying to prove a point, and a uh, point well proven to me. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh... To do it against guys like Edson, like you would expect that, like his beatdown he put on Michael Johnson. But man, that was impressive. Yeah, I honestly, I've kind of done a big 180 here, and I don't see anybody beating Khabib. Nobody. Not, not even close. Not at lightweight, not at welterweight if he goes up. The guy is incredible. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, he's literally like a fucking bear. God help us all if he ever learns how to strike. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know? I mean, he took some serious shots from Barbosa and just, like, what? It never happened. Yeah. Walked right through it. It didn't, it didn't mark him up. He looked fine. He was, yeah. He didn't look that tired after the fight. It was crazy. Conor McGregor will never fight Khabib. Fuck, not even a fucking He will chance. never fight Khabib. Not even a little bit. I mean... But that will never happen. I would love to see Khabib versus Tony finally happen. Yeah, I think I would love it. But I, as much as I love Tony, and I think his skill set is actually the best suited for against uh, Khabib, I still would take Khabib. Uh yeah, definitely. I would absolutely. I mean, Tony Ferguson's got that nasty jiu-jitsu, but I don't think. He's not going to get a chance. He's not going to get the breathing yeah, room. Yeah, Ferguson's too overbearing. I mean, uh, Khabib's too overbearing. Yeah. This is way too much, man. Absolutely. As far as Barbosa goes, I mean, no harm, no foul, really, in my opinion. Uh, still a top five lightweight right now. Yeah, I would now. like to see, like, a Barbosa Gaethje fight. Yeah, I was going to recommend that. That would be hot fire. <laughs> yeah. Or basically Barbosa... Alvarez, Barbosa, Poirier, you know, so yeah, anything like any that. Other. Yeah. In the top five, top ten range, he's always an exciting fight. He can do anything at any time, as we'll, I'm sure we'll get to in the awards show a little bit later on. But, uh, all right. Um, this was not the greatest pay-per-view. Like we said, it no. had the injuries. It was only ten fights, ended up having... The pacing was a little, I don't know, it, it just the whole thing felt a little stale to me throughout the night. Like, I never really got too amped up other than the main event and co-main event a little bit. Something was off to me. Yeah. And there was a lot of decisions, not too many finishes. But we did have one finish. Dan Hooker defeated Mark Casey by a third-round submission. What did you think? I did not catch this fight. I was sleeping. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, as far as, like, what it means for the lightweight division, 
sleep away. But yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a nice choke out. Uh, it was a nice submission victory for Dan Hooker. Uh, he's going up back up to lightweight after being in featherweight, I think, for most of his UFC career. Dia Casey was supposed to be this big-time prospect. He's now lost two in a row, so that's not great for him. Really not much else to say there. Carlos Sparza defeated Cynthia Calvillo by decision. Did you see this one? Uh, I saw some highlights. It was pretty dominant. I thought it was a really good win for her. Yeah, I... Uh, I I pretty much called this one. I uh I predicted like uh I'm in uh I'm in so many different like MMA related like games and shit on MMAjunkie.com message board but I yeah. I'm in this like betting league now where you get five hundred dollars to play with each event and they show you the odds and you can make any kind of bets and I just put all five hundred dollars on on uh Esparza. To derail the hype train because she was the underdog, nice. like plus two thirty-five or something. Yeah. I just saw it coming. I think. I mean, Calvillo. I still think she's a good prospect. She's exciting. Got good jujitsu, but I could just see, you know, she hadn't really fought anybody, especially of Sparza's caliber, and coming in here, being a, such a heavy favorite when she hasn't really done pro- proven it against a great competition. I just saw. As far as his wrestling being a problem, and it pretty much was. Yeah, I mean, as far as is definitely a force at uh, one fifteen, but I don't know where she'll be up towards the top of the echelon. Her striking is holding her back from ever yeah being a title challenger for like, in my opinion. Yeah, she definitely caught Rose at the right time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Rose will destroy her now. Yeah. No doubt about it. Um, it was actually a close... I thought it was a fairly close fight. Calvillo was upset about the decision. I, I don't think she had much right to be upset. I had it 29-28 for Esparza, but, you know, it was competitive. Yeah. Uh, a depressing fight for me. Maybe this is why nothing felt right the whole night, because <laughs> Carlos Condit, my favorite fighter of all time, comes back Show up. out of retirement, 16 months off, Against Neil Magny and just not the same guy. Yeah. Not the same I also guy. I think there's something to say about Magny not letting me get comfortable too. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. Magny is a great fighter, always underrated. I think I saw it like his seventh or eighth win where he was the underdog in the UFC because yeah. he's just not exciting. You know, he's just so solid at everything. But. Yeah. To I'll be never honest, write Magny off after him beating Hector Lombard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. He's got a great chin, and yeah. uh, he's got great reach. He's well-balanced. He's good at striking, wrestling, and jiu-jitsu. I mean, but I just thought if Carlos Condit was the Carlos Condit, was the, if he was still the natural-born killer, like this was a perfect matchup for him to just go to work. And yeah. It's not like Luke Thomas said. He doesn't look shopworn. It's not like he looks like a Diego Sanchez where he's like, you know, done. It just seemed something was off. Like uh, he was missing too much. He would throw the combos, but they wouldn't land. They maybe it was, maybe it's just rust. Maybe he had to knock the rust off and he'll come back and it look better next time. But to me, it seems like the natural born killer died. In the ring 
or the cage uh, against Robbie Lawler at UFC yeah. 195, and all we have left is Crawler's Condit, and it's just not not good enough anymore. Yeah, it's also going to be tough coming in with your camp. Uh, you know, Holly Holm's got the title fight, and your first fight on the main card. It's got to be tough. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was so depressing because I love Crawler's Condit, and I was so ready for him to just come out and be like, I'm back, baby. Yeah. But uh, No, I want that too, but, I mean, it took him... He was so indecisive after his awesome eye. He just didn't look like uh, he had that fire anymore. Yeah. I mean, it it looks like he he looked in the fight how he looked at the press conference after the Maya fight where he was super unsure about everything. Yeah. I hope he doesn't retire again. I mean, have some fun fights, collect some paychecks. I'll still be down to watch him fight like a Cowboy Cerrone or... Like Nick Diaz again. Yeah, something like that. Why not? (laughs) You know. (laughs) But, uh... I guess we can move on. Miles Jury. Defeated Rick Glenn by decision. (coughs) Not much to say. Good win. Miles Jury has bounced back pretty well since he lost to Cowboy Cerrone a year or two ago. It's crazy to think that... The cowboy fight was like two fights ago for him, two or three fights ago. He lost to Charles Oliveira after that, too. That's right. So it was three fights ago. But for cowboy, that's like 11 fights ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was in a different division. Uh, yeah, crazy. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got for 219. You got anything else? Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, $2 million. had a nice win with the Anaconda trick, but. Against two, though, right? I mean. Mark Della Rosa, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I never heard of him. But no, it was yeah. a good it was a good submission. Good to get yeah. get good to get him away after people pulled pulled out on him for weight cutting issues the last few times out. Yeah. Alright, let's move on to UFC on Fox twenty six. This was headlined by Rafael Dos Anjos. Speaking of that fateful night at UFC one eighty five, <laughs> uh Robbie Lawler goes down. Fifty forty five across the board. This was a beatdown. It was. I, I thought it probably could have been forty nine forty six, but that's probably that's like about my only complaint. Um, <laughs> that's because you hate Rafael dos Santos, and you have to give him his credit <clears throat> where it's due now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was a little disappointed here. I mean, I was expecting a really good fire, like a nice back and forth fight. It was not that. Um, I think Robbie Law hurt his knee pretty bad. Yeah, I think yeah. I saw today it was a torn ACL and meniscus. But it didn't happen until, like, the third or fourth round. Yeah, it was so, late kicks heavy. Yeah. I'm I mean, he was taking late kicks from the first round on. But. I wish we would have bet money on the success of RDA because <laughs> the dude is a beast at welterweight. Yeah, you would have definitely won. <laughs> <laughs> you said he's small for even a flyweight. No, you know. I didn't say flyweight. <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, he looked amazing. Uh, what a great bounce back year for him in 2017. Uh, I I would favor him against Tyron Woodley. As crazy as that might sound, I think he uh, matches up ridiculously. Tyron Woodley's the only well. person I think I'd ever want him to win against. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel, and I hope he gets that fight. That would be an awesome fight. I just think. His style, he's not going to do a Damian Maya where he lets Woodley just 
you know, do nothing. Yeah, no he's not going to pull a Stephen Thompson because his gas tank is limitless. He's constantly pressuring. Look what he did to Anthony Pettis. Look what he did to Benson Henderson. Yeah, he yeah. got destroyed by Khabib, but like we said, who who isn't going to? Uh, but he constantly comes forward. He never gets tired. If you're going to beat him, you're going to have to beat him the way Eddie Alvarez or Tony Ferguson did and just put it to him. And even yeah. Robbie Lawler wasn't able to do that. So, Yeah, definitely. I, I think it definitely uh, adds a little more excitement to that possible matchup. Um, got him. I just disappointed how Robbie Lawler came out of that fight. Yeah, it sucks. But again, I, he's still got some some fight left in him. He's just not at that level. It's like uh, they they both left their souls in the cage of UFC 195. Yeah. Torn ACL, though, huh? Yeah. He'll be out a while. Probably better for him after that beating he took. Yeah, that's true. How about that, like, 8 to 10 uh, strike combination RDA pulled off at one point? Yeah. Uh, I there was a few nice combinations where I was like, holy shit, how is yeah. this guy standing up? <laughs> I know. It was pretty cool. Robbie just against the cage, just like, God, he's a tough motherfucker. Yeah, he is. Probably too tough for his own good. Yeah. But uh, I guess overall, I should have said uh, UFC on Fox 26. Pretty great main card, four-fight main card. Prelims, not all that great, but... What are you going to do? That's the day and age yeah. we're living in. In the co-made event, Josh Emmett shocked the world and knocked out Ricardo Lamas in the first round brutally with a left hook. Yeah, it was a fucking badass knockout. He missed weight, though, correct? He did. He did. He, yeah. I think he missed it by three pounds. Yeah, three and a half. Yeah, and that sucks, but he, he was short notice, if you remember... Lamas was supposed to fight Jose Aldo. Yeah, yeah. But still, I mean, you can have a badass knockout. This uh, weight does not fare well with you in the UFC. No, he didn't get a, a performance bonus, and he got 30% of his purse taken away. Yeah, and, and even in terms of your next matchup, they'll remember that. Yeah, but I think they'll also remember the way Le- Ricardo Lamas died. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Uh, he did. It was fucking brutal. It was. What was it a left hand? Yeah, it was just a sweet baby left hook that just night night. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> clean as could be. I thought he looked good up to that too. I mean, he he was uh, hanging in there, throwing throwing striking uh, right there with Lamas, who's clearly a top five or seven fighter in the division. Yeah, I mean, Lamas doesn't lose outside of the top couple very often yeah i tried i showed this knockout to my dad and he even winced he was like holy shit <laughs> yeah it was pretty crazy uh but yeah i would like to see josh emmett prove that first he can make the weight and second that it wasn't a fluke i don't think it was a fluke but let's see him do it again against another guy like uh, a cub swanson or someone in that same range yeah, it was definitely a nice stage for him to do it on, so I'd like to see him back it up. For sure, for sure. Uh, pretty great fight that went about as expected was Santiago Ponzinibbio defeating Mike Perry by unanimous decision. Fucking A. Both of these guys are tough as nails. I mean, yeah. I, I love to hate Mike Perry, 
he's a douchebag in my opinion, but he is a fun fighter to watch. He, he it's always fireworks, win or lose, and yeah, once again it was. I thought, uh, yeah, it was a great fight, definitely. Um, I think it's even better in my mind for the outcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very tough though. He didn't get knocked out. He hung in there. Yeah, he definitely. especially took that hard like spinning. Back fist, it looked like a lucky as hell shot right to the button. Yeah. Just managed to survive. He looked decent for the first round, round and a half, but then Ponzinibbio figured him out. Yeah. Yeah, Ponzinibbio is definitely a no slouch. I mean, you don't think about him and you think of uh, the top to the middle of the welterweight, but he's definitely there. Absolutely, yeah. I'd like to see him fight like... uh, uh, Colby Covington or Darren Tills, another yeah. one of these prospects. Eventually, you got to start matching them up with each other and seeing who's sure. I think I would like to see like Darren Till. I think we need Darren Till needs a real tough matchup. Yeah, absolutely. Trying to humble, humble him or something or so. Well, ain't nothing humbling Darren Till. He's the next greatest <laughs> fighter in the division. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good fight there. Mike Perry, he'll bounce back. He hasn't been training that long, right? He's been a pro fighter for like three or four years, and he's he'll be all right. He'll talk his way back into a fight. Absolutely. We'll give him an easy bounce back to get his momentum back uh, in the right direction, and then he'll be right right back in the thick of things. Give him fun Damian Maya. Uh, I don't know. Damian Maya. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Perry's so dumb, he'll get easily taken down into a solution. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> but, uh, crazy fight here. Glover Teixeira defeated Misha Serkinov by first round TKO. This not, fight, yeah. you didn't see it? I didn't see it coming. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me either. I mean, Misha Serkinov starts off, he's just peppering Glover. Looks like it's going to be a quick, easy knockout of his own. All of a sudden... Glover goes for like a sloppy takedown, gets it, and Misha just kind of turtles up and gives up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Glover didn't even seem like he was hammering him that hard or that he had him that trapped, but he was he was had his back and was you know hammer fisting him on the side of the head, and that was it. Yeah, and for as hot as Misha Zirkinov was looking, man, he's lost Ooh. two in a row. Of course, he lost the Vulcan before this, but. Uh, it's definitely a downside for him. Gotta work on that ground game, buddy. <laughs> yeah, definitely gotta work on that. <laughs> Striking looked good. I mean, he looked like uh, a million dollars on the feet, but as soon as it hit the ground, he, he uh, looks more like a dirty penny. Of course, it, <laughs> of course it's against fucking uh, Glover, so Glover's like a punch bag. Constantly finds a way to stay in the. <laughs> he's, it. he's like fucking uh, I don't even know he's basically a punching bag sometimes yeah but uh, I mean he's older what is he 39 40 years old gave John Jones one of his toughest fights so. shit some of the elbows he took from him in the clinch it's amazing that guy can still talk <laughs> yeah. he has a pretty good chin uh, which yeah. is even makes it more even more impressive what Alexander Gustafson did to him. Yeah. So, yeah, let's move on to UFC Fight Night 123 in Fresno, California. Brian Ortega 
my boy defeated Cub Swanson second round submission. I love watching Brian Ortega fight, and this was no different. What an amazing uh, finish for him! Yeah. Um. Was it a triangle? No, it was uh, standing guillotine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. How, Beautiful. What date is this? This date was. Let me see. Da 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 da. December eighth. Feels like a year ago. <laughs> Something yeah. like yeah, it does feel like it was a long time ago. It's like a month ago. But uh, yeah, I mean, Cub Swanson. I mean. Ortega was kind of holding his own on the feet, but Swanson was clearly getting the better of the exchanges, as you would expect. And Ortega, at first, in the first, near the end of the first round, he's like, sick of this, clinch, takedown, guillotine, saved by the bell. Yeah. Second round starts, getting beat up again. All right, enough of this. Literally, he just grabs him, readjusts, like, jumps, kicks off the cage, readjusts again in midair, and cinches in this guillotine. It was incredible. Yo. He's like Damian Maya if he could actually, if he had, like, actually had some power in his punches and was actually developing into a decent striker at the same time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I've always liked Ortega. Uh, the fucking steroid definitely is a blemish. But he's undefeated, really. Yeah, and he seems like such a good dude. You know. Yeah, he's like California dude. Yeah, I like him a lot. Always have. Yeah, that steroid test. Uh, not great, but I've pretty <laughs> much <laughs> pretty putting it nicely. Yeah, I've pretty much made it known. I don't really care as much about that stuff. I just assume everybody's cheating. It's just a matter of who's going to get caught. Yeah. Uh, but a crazy stat. And maybe this is wrong. I didn't fact check it, but someone said it. And uh, Brian Ortega never won a round in the UFC. What? He's never won a single round in the UFC. How's that possible? We're close to it, but he's undefeated because he always gets third round submissions and knockouts. Like, I guess, I guess it could be true. It could be true. I mean, it makes some sense. I know some of these rounds, maybe, like, one judge gave him, or... I don't know, maybe he's... How is that, that true? He's, he has, his first fight was a steroid fight, plus a rear naked choke a minute and a half into the first round. Well, I meant, like, a decision, like, a, a judge's scorecard. Maybe it's a unanimously across all three judges. He's never won a round. Not, obviously, if when he gets a finish. Yeah, okay. I guess that could be true. But still kind of crazy. Like, that's his style. He's a finisher. Yeah. He, like, uh, what was it? Against uh, Hanato Moicano. He got beat the first two rounds. And then Moicano kind of rushed into a guillotine. And that was that. The guy is just exciting. Constantly going for finishes. And he doesn't seem scared to, like, set up his opponents. Like, let them win a round or two. And kind of lull them into a false sense of security. Yeah, and make them come into a submission, yeah. Yeah, love the guy. I would love yeah. to see him fight Max Holloway, but you gotta give Frankie his shot first. Yeah, I was gonna say I would like to too, but I don't 
I don't think he's there yet. Maybe uh, fight. Ortega versus Emmett. Yeah. Could but, be interesting. Get a fresh contender either way. You know. Yeah, I don't even I don't even know what the top of uh, featherweight looks like. It's a bit of a mess because Mike Holloway has beat almost everybody. Yeah. Um I guess I mean Yair Rodriguez I'm interested to see what he does coming off of his beat down by the hands of Frankie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't Actually, know. that would probably be a pretty good fight or take it. Rodriguez. It would. Oh, I, I mean, just don't think he can streak. justify it right now. Yeah. Uh, one day they'll fight, and that would be amazing. Yeah. But, uh, all right. There's a couple other fights on here that I want to... Uh, I guess Swanson. We should talk about him. Last fight of his contract. He'll be back. You think so? I think he'll be back, and I think he'll, he'll just continue to get, you know, some solid fights. Love to see him fight Jose Aldo still on a rematch. Yeah, that probably would make sense. But I'm sure I'd he, also he might play a little hardball on his contract now. I don't know if he has the room to do that now. I, I don't know if he does either, but he's getting old. And, you know, he probably Bell, is not going to pay him much more than the UFC. Bellator doesn't really have featherweight division, do they? Yeah, that's where Patricio Pitbull was uh, reigning. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Bellator recently released Jimmy Smith, by the way. Did they? The commentator? Yeah. And I heard the UFC well, have, is interested. Uh, what's his face? Mike? Uh, Goldberg? Goldberg, yeah. Oh, you don't need anybody else. And they have Mauro Ranello, too. Yeah. Jimmy Smith, easily the best thing they had going on at Bellator. Yeah. And, uh... Looks like they're going to let him go back over here to the UFC. Uh, what the hell was I talking about? Um, Marlon Marais kicked the shit out of Aljamain Sterling. Uh, knocked his head off. Hit him with like a, a knee when he was going for a kick as Aljamain was trying to shoot him for a takedown. And he dead dabbed his way to the ground. Scary. It's like it a career-changing knockout. Yeah, it was. It looked bad. Yeah, it was real I mean, bad. Only a minute into the fight, still fresh, and he gets knocked out that bad. It's not great. Yep. No, I would uh, like to see Sterling be on the shelf for a while after that one. I'm sure he will be. I heard his interview afterwards a week or two later on the MMA Hour. It seems like a real uh, smart guy down to earth dude I like him yeah but is that Bryce or Sterling uh Sterling oh uh, yeah seems like he's got his head on straight somehow after that <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say you sure <laughs> but I, I I'm a big fan of Marlon Marais I think he's had a crazy run here in his early UFC career uh lost a controversial split decision to Rafael Sunsau Comes back, wins a decision over John Dotson, knocks Aljamain Sterling's head off, and was looked like he was going to fight Jimmy Rivera at 219, but there was some kind of drama where they couldn't make that work. But uh, he's making his way up the chain here. I thought uh, Rivera had a problem, too. No, Rivera kept saying, all right, if you can't make the weight, let's fight at a higher weight. 
and he kept moving the weight up to try to get Marias to take the fight. And Marias uh, kept saying no. Jeez. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. But what do you think about Marias? Is he uh, a contender? Uh, I mean, I guess um, it was definitely a good win for uh, for him. I thought Sterling was... Uh, what was this at? What? Bantamweight? Yeah. TJ Dillshaw, Cody Garbrandt, Realm. Yeah, I thought Sterling was featherweight. No. Always been bandweight, brother. Nothing. Who am I thinking of? It? Not Probably. sure. Not uh, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, Marias only has the one loss to Happy Alessandro, so... He's got to be up there. Yeah, for sure. I think... I think he would beat T.J. Dillashaw. Uh, that's biting words there. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That might be a tough tough fight. But uh, we'll see what happens. I'd love to see Marias versus Jimmy Rivera if they can make it happen. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, quickly wanted to mention two other fights on here that I thought were interesting. Uh, Alexis Davis defeated Liz Carmouche. They were both moving down to flyweight for their... I think the first time in at least their UFC careers, obviously. Uh, Alexis yeah. Davis won a close decision. Uh, yeah, it was a good win. She uh, she should be a player here in this in this division. Yes, yeah, but decisions must have been close. It was pretty competitive, yeah. But she had some submission attempts that I think uh, won her the bout. Yeah. And also, Eric Anders... Dominated Marcus Perez three round whooping he put on him. Uh, he's a big time prospect in the middleweight division, and he's headlining a card in Brazil in a couple of months where he fights Leona Machida in the main event. Oh shit! So if he can get the win against the Dragon, that would really up his uh, his stock a little bit. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's at least, uh, it'll look good on his resume in five years when you don't remember how Leona was towards the end. Yeah. yeah right. That's his first back from suspension, right? No, he got destroyed by Derek Brunson. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah you're right. how, how quickly we forget. Yeah. All these oldies going out on their shields. <laughs> I feel like an oldie for you. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the awards. The second oh, annual know. Red Belt Awards. Um, bucket, let's just get right into it. First category up. Bucket. <laughs> <laughs> Moment of the year. We're starting there. Uh, we're going we're gonna to go through category by category and count down from five to one our... Uh, Top five in each of these categories. Make sense? Got it? Get it? Good. Got it? Get it? Got it? Good, 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 you want to start good. with your top five for moment of the year, or should I? Moment you start with moment. All right. My, my number five moments of the year is after Darren Till took care of Donald Cerrone, Mike Perry jumps up onto the cage and they're jawing at each other back and forth. I just love that whole interaction uh, on UFC Fight Pass. Perfectly set up a match between the two. 
Except Mike Perry was already booked against Santiago Ponzinibbio. Of course, he goes and loses that fight. But uh, I don't know. I just think they really uh, very quickly put a lot of juice into a fight that I didn't even know I wanted to see until then. Yeah. Uh, my number four is uh, Derek Lewis's post-fight interview after knocking out Travis Brown at UFC Fight Night 105. Uh, when he said something about, I can't remember it now, I just remember it was hilarious, he said something about, uh, that's for beating your wife, or, or something crazy, asked Ronda Rousey where he, where she was at, (laughs) (laughs) gotta love Derek Lewis, uh, number three, John Jones, UFC 214 post-fight interview, (laughs) how, uh, such a feel-good moment, seemed like, wow, he's back, and he seemed so humble. He was giving Daniel Cormier his props. seemed like this, we finally got the John Jones we've wanted all these years. And then he gets suspended not too long afterwards. Crazy yeah. moment this year. Uh, my number two is George St. Pierre cementing his status as the greatest of all time. Uh, you know the moment after he... Knocks down and submits Michael Bisping to win the middleweight belt in his comeback fight. Become only the fourth fighter in UFC history to hold a belt in two different weight classes. And just the way he just soaked it all in afterwards. It it was just a a great moment that uh, I wasn't expecting to be as invested in as I ended up being. And my number one moment of the year was a little old boxing match. <laughs> with Conor McGregor against Floyd Mayweather. Can't deny it. It was uh, an incredible moment. Even if... It feels like it never happened. But uh, like it's almost still hard to believe that it went down. Like, it's not yeah. like... I don't know. Like, when it comes... Maybe this is why it should be number two and GSP should be number one. But, like, with GSP, I'm still holding on to that feeling of that night, that event... With McGregor, it was like pandemonium. It happened, and then it was gone. And it's like, can't Conor just come back to the UFC? Yeah, right. But can't deny just the stakes of it all and the incredible event that it was. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go with my number five. It's going to be have to be the McGregor-Floyd. Uh, I guess we'll call it off fiasco. Okay, How- yeah. Well, just the way the press conferences went down, um, the first one or two were great, and it was like four or five days in a row, and it was just, it got old quick, and then, like you said, we couldn't believe the fight was going to happen, and then it happened, it feels like it never even happened. <laughs> exactly. It was crazy, and um, I, uh, I thought the way, after the fight, I thought both guys were great, realized they made each other a lot of money. Um I mean, Floyd's got a picture of Connor in his house, and Connor's got a picture of Floyd in his <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what is uh, that? The way that turned out. Yeah. I also had uh, Derek Lewis calling out Ronda and Travis Brown. Nice. I, yeah. I thought that was one of the funniest things I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, Derek Lewis saying, where you at? But, uh... 
Uh, we should probably have put uh, Derek Lewis helping rescue people after Hurricane Harvey. <laughs> but no. <laughs> we put his uh, trash talky persuaded interview. Yeah, shitty on Ron Rousey and Travis Brown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, number three? My number... Uh, what is it? Three. Three, I guess. So what is it? One, five, eight, yeah, okay. Uh, number three is... Uh, the trash talk between uh, Cody Garbrandt and TJ Dillashaw all the way planned out and TJ get dropped and then dropping and finishing Cody Garbrandt. Uh, that was one of my favorite moments of the year. Of course, I'm a huge TJ fanboy. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was incredible. Um, I guess I'll try. I'll go a little different from you here. Uh <laughs> My number two is going to be Rose taking out Joanna for the championship for the fact that it was like... It was a pretty good moment. It was so exciting, and it's one of the, I like Rose a lot. There's really nothing to not like about Rose, so uh, it was like almost like a choke-up moment if I wasn't so excited. At, you know, It was cool to see. I mean, Pat Barry's been just a total fucking loser in MMA. It was cool to see his girlfriend or whatever <laughs> it's cool to see the whole thing yeah absolutely for that. no doubt about and, it uh, I'm gonna have to give my number one fucking John Jones being a jackass <laughs> beating the shit out of DJ or DC wow that's a mismatch promptly failing a drug test promptly fucking what a fucking jackass yeah oh my god heartbreaking <laughs> but not surprising uh, it was like the most surprising, least surprising thing at the same time. Yeah. The fucking karma comes back and gets you. No doubt about it. All right, why don't you, why don't you do story of the year first? Uh, story of the year, fuck. Um, so we don't buy to one? Oh, always. All right. Um, oh, this is basically like uh, the over riding issues and I don't know the stuff that really captured the the attention of the media and fans all year round like what were the issues etc cetera, etc cetera. did I buy you enough yeah, time yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah well I'm gonna go with three here because my fucking notes are like a football play here <laughs> nice like lines nice. drawn all over them uh so I'm going to go three to one. Three is going to be uh, all the shit that DJ took for not taking the Dillashaw fight, um, all the issues that DJ's had with the UFC, and uh, fucking going out and having two of the best submissions of all time, breaking records. Um, I just think DJ probably could be story of the year, if you really think about it, but yeah, uh, he's definitely got to be up there with like uh, I just thought like the way the whole the way they shit on him with the TJ Dillashaw issue and the way it got blown over real quick blew my mind you know what I mean yeah that was uh, and then to come out and then fucking finish uh, who was it Uh, who the fuck was it uh, Wait. Wilson Hayes, Ray Borg. Yeah, Ray Borg. 
Bullock, yeah, to submit uh, with Hilson Hayes, then to submit uh, Ray Borg, which, spoiler alert, one of the best submissions of all time. I thought uh, I thought that was definitely awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, number two's got to be Floyd and the Connor. Uh, just the way the whole thing panned out. At the beginning of last year, did you think Floyd Connor was going to happen? Oh yeah. No, not even close. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, that's got to be up there for sure. No doubt. But, about uh, um. And then number one, I think it's just got to be uh, uh, John Jones. Um, just this clusterfuck that continues to be his career. And, I mean, the way he beat DC was one of the best performances probably he, we've seen out of him. And uh, it's just par for the course for him. Yep, no doubt. Big story all year round was him coming back and then him going right back away again. My number five story of the year, Retirement Central. It seemed like a lot of fighters retired or at least said they were going to retire in 2017. Um, Should have wrote down who they were, but I know I heard this. I had this my number five for a reason. Uh, like Matt Brown... Uh, Michael Bisping will be. Help me out here. Um. Uh, who else? It had to be. Alright. Motherfuckers retiring. Pretty much Conor McGregor. Yeah, but I mean, like, real retirements inside the cage. Like, maybe even some of them weren't, like, real name fighters, but they put their, uh,. Uh, gloves down after the fight and called it a day. Uriah Faber? Is that one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Brad Pickett? Brad Pickett. And then Brad Pickett retired, right? So that's what I meant by that. Uh, My number four was just the weight cutting issues all year round. Basically, like, Kevin Lee asking for uh, 165-pound division so many fighters missing weight and all the issues that came about from that. Number three was USADA reigning supreme over everything, just taking people down left and right. Um, yeah, I mean, even Cyborg tested positive, but then she got a an exemption. Uh, John Jones, of course. Uh, you name it. They got caught, pretty much. Yeah. My number two? That, go ahead, go ahead. No, I just think both of those, the weight cutting issues and USADA is going to continue to be an issue. Yeah, I agree. Number two. You get an interim belt. You get an interim belt. <laughs> it's the Oprah Winfrey occasion of interim belts and basically WME just thinking only short term as far as uh, we need a championship fight at the top of this card. Uh, how about we just make an interim belt for this weight class? Okay. Like, it's just gotten ridiculous. And uh, hopefully this doesn't continue. But I have a feeling it might. We'll see. And my number one story of the year is basically just 
the Conor McGregor effect on everything. <laughs> he did not fight in MMA a single time this year. Yet, how many times on a broadcast, on, you know, people angling to fight him next? You know, like, he dominated the conversation on almost every event, and he didn't fight once. Yeah, like, uh, sharing the way to make money. Let alone all the controversy he had outside of the cage and the fight with Floyd. Like, the Conor McGregor effect is real. People trying to be like him, act like him. Uh, people only wanting money fights. Tyron Woodley is even, like, he's trying and trying and trying to get his money fight. Never has yet. But just the entire reaction to the of the entire sport to to the way Conor McGregor has just burst through here over the past couple of years, and uh, we're, we're really seeing the remnants of the trail he left. Yeah, he's definitely uh, broken the mold, so to say. Absolutely. All right, I'll start off with worst fight of the year. Uh, actually, I think there's a clear winner here. <laughs> I, I think so, too. But uh, I, I have five good ones, I think. At least my top three is legit. But I actually didn't think there were that many terrible fights this year. That was pretty good. Um, yeah. Definitely had an easier time picking, making this list last year with stuff like Dada 5000 and, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But uh, my, <laughs> my number five was Vitor Belfort versus Nate Marquardt at UFC 212. Um Maybe action-wise it wasn't, like, the worst fight, but it just seemed like you could tell this was two fighters who were completely done, should retire, just going out there and having a sloppy, like, who cares? It was a close fight. Who cares who won? It doesn't matter. Move on. Don't even read the result. Number four, Glover Teixeira versus Jared Cannonier at UFC 208. Uh, Mainly for me was because... I was thinking Jared Cannonier is going to come in here, prove that he's a legit, you know, challenger at light heavyweight because he's had a lot of success on his feet since moving down from heavyweight. And uh, he just got laid and prayed on for three rounds straight, and it was super frustrating, mostly because of my unrealistic expectations. Uh, number three, Phil Davis versus Ryan Bader, part two. At Bellator 180. Uh, They're both great fighters. No doubt about it. Um, Probably the top two that Bellator has to offer in that division. Please never. (laughs) Please never let them fight again. (laughs) Their styles are both so boring on their own. And you put them together and you've got a boring double-decker sandwich. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that was pretty bad. Pretty, pretty bad. And we've got... One man to rule them all. First up, number two, Tyron Woodley versus Steven Thompson at UFC 209. The rematch of what I thought was a pretty great fight, actually, uh, at UFC 205. The draw against Steven Thompson. The rematch, they had a staring contest until the fifth round when Woodley landed one punch. Uh, So that's why it was... uh, the second worst fight of the year, not the worst, because number one, Tyron Woodley versus Damian Maya. The worst U- fight of all time. <laughs> UFC 214. Uh, 
this was just a straight on staring contest for all five rounds. Yeah. Oh god, so bad. Broke so a few records for bad. least strikes uh strikes thrown. Yep. And uh the way Woodley just refuses to engage, it's infuriating. It is just infuriating. And look, Damian Maya cannot be let off the hook either because I, I give him a little more leeway than Woodley because what is he really supposed to do with given his skill set? But, man, just Woodley is the, the boring fight maker unless he's knocking people out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I got a top three here. Um, I agree with your one and two with Woodley Meyer and Woodley Thompson. Uh, however, my number three is going to be Joe Sonnen and Vanderlei Silva. I thought that was fucking awful. <laughs> yeah, it was not good. It was just jail Sunday, basically. Uh, fucking, it was not, it was five years too late, or four years, whatever it was, too late. Uh-huh. It was probably way more than that too late, but it was par for the course for Bellator. Absolutely. Number two? Oh, uh, my number two is going to be Woodley Thompson. Like you said, it was uh, wasn't the fight that I thought the first fight was wasn't that bad. A lot of people hate on the first fight also, but uh, <laughs> but at least it had like some exciting moments in multiple yeah. rounds. You know, like yeah, first and fight was good. At least backpedaling and circling around the cage. It's just, and he goes to show that my number one, Willie Maya. It was, I mean, beyond awful. I thought Maya was doing a pretty good job at even striking a little bit his eye got closed pretty early on with an uppercut yeah but uh after that I mean it was Woodley's a grade A wrestler so it was tough to get Meyer to try to get him down no doubt and it turned out to be one of the I mean it was so fucking boring it was, <laughs> it was really bad I it was calls like, Woodley the GSB fight basically <laughs> yeah I think I remember like actually dozing off at points during this fight thank god for John Jones for Scormier to wake yeah. me back up. All right, let's move on to comeback of the year. Uh, wanted to switch to I'll start each category. Yes. All right. Uh, my number five comeback of the year: Yuri Alcantara over Luke Sanders at UFC 209. Luke Sanders was just putting it on him two rounds straight, and then Alcantara finds a way to get a submission victory in the third. Pretty impressive. Uh, number four. Kevin Lee defeating Francisco Trinaldo at UFC Fight Night 106. Um, Trinaldo, I mean, as far as Lee went this year, in, as far as like uh, becoming a name and really proving himself to be a pretty darn good fighter with wins over Michael Chiesa and then a pretty solid fight against Ferguson before he got beat. Um, Francisco Trinaldo was kind of beating him up uh, until like the middle of the second round and then Kevin Lee landed something I want to say and then he I think he submitted him or TKO'd him should have wrote that down but it was impressive <laughs> the way he came back uh, I, I'm kind of a believer in Kevin Lee I mean he's still got a ways to go but I think he's going to yeah. be a legit guy in the division for quite a while number three. Oh, go ahead no I just don't think we saw the best of him with that staff picture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt about that. <laughs> Number three, TJ 
Dickashaw over <laughs> Cody Garbrandt at UFC 217. Uh, this one's pretty obvious. I mean, Garbrandt almost knocked him out at the end of the first round, and then he comes back and just incredibly uh, <laughs> comes back better in the second round and knocks Garbrandt out. It was a really impressive performance. Fucking incredible. <laughs> Number two is Derek Lewis over Travis Brown. UFC Fight Night 105. We kind of touched on that a little bit earlier, but Brown was having his way, uh, kicking Lewis to the body, hurting him, hurting him, hurting him. And then, as is the case with Travis Brown, way too often, just gets uh, knocked out eventually. <laughs> and uh, it's crazy. It still makes me laugh that Alexi Olenek did the same thing to him. Uh, not too long after. But clearly the number one comeback of the year has to be Darren Elkins over Mursad Bektich. I mean, Darren Elkins was getting pummeled for two and a half rounds and then comes back and wins the fight at UFC 209. Darren Elkins, tough as hell. Mursad Bektich just like this huge legit prospect in the featherweight division. Elkins is a scrappy team alpha male guy who's pretty boring to watch for the most part and just pulls off the the comeback of the year. Yeah. That's uh I had a few of those too, but uh, I'm just gonna give my overall winner to Derek Lewis over Travis Brown. Like you said uh Travis Brown was definitely getting hurt to the body and worn down and did very satisfying faction. Uh, fucking beat down Travis Brown. And then the best post-fight uh, interview of all time. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, even that aside, I think it would, that's my comeback of the year for sure. Nice. I thought you'd give it to Dillshaw since he's your boy. Yeah, I, w- I was thinking that, but I was more impressed with Travis Brown. Nice. And I make fun of Dillshaw a lot, mainly to piss you off. Because I know you love him so much. <clears throat> Alright, let's get to the beatdown of the year. There was a lot of beatdowns this year. Uh, yeah. This one had no no uh, shortage of options here for me, but I'll kick it off. Number five, Cub Swanson over Artem Lobov at UFC Fight Night 108 in Nashville, Tennessee. Couldn't believe this fight was made in the first place because... What the hell did Artem Lobov do to deserve a fight against Cobb Swanson or a main event? <laughs> oh, yeah, forgot. <laughs> but uh, Cobb Swanson, I mean, I feel like he should have put him away, but he did what he had to do, and he just dominated, wiped the floor with him over five rounds. Number four, fight we just talked about, Rafael Dos Anjos over Robbie Lawler. Incredibly impressive. And... On both sides, Robbie Lawler that he survived and RDA that he just never stopped coming forward and just clobbering him. Number three, another fight we just talked about. Khabib Nurmagomedov over Edson Barbosa. Uh, what else more is there to say? We've already talked about it. Number yeah. two, Yair Rodriguez over BJ Penn at UFC Fight Night 103. Um... Yeah, BJ Penn is toast. We talked about how Carlos Condit, not shop or not done. BJ Penn is that. 
He just came out and said he should have never fought at featherweight. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're Rodriguez. <laughs> should have never fought the past. <laughs> yeah, period. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, Rodriguez came out and did whatever the hell he wanted. Uh, I think it was in like January, or February, and this really put him. It was, I think it was January because it was right around my birthday. This is what really kind of put him over the edge. It's kind of like what Eric Anders is going to do to Machida, is what um, <laughs> Rodriguez did to Penn. And then my number one, Yair, Yair Rodriguez, on the receiving end this time, against yeah. Frankie Edgar, who just made him look like someone out of a horror movie. His uh, fucking eye was so fucking swollen. Yeah. Uh, some of the most vicious ground and pound you'll see. Um, incredible. Earned Frank Yeager the title shot against Max Holloway, which hopefully we will see sometime in the new year. Yeah, uh, that was also my winner. But uh, I got the top three here. Uh, I had Darren Till against Cowboy Cerrone. I thought he made yeah. Cowboy Cerrone look like he never showed up. Yeah, uh, he forgot true. to get off the plane or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's typical for Cowboy to get beat like that, but it, it was it was unexpected. So I thought it was definitely great. Of course, number two has got to be Khabib and Barbosa. Yeah. Like yeah. you said, what, what, like, I've never seen three 10-8s before that I can remember. Um, and yeah. like I said, my winner has got to be Frankie. I, I, my winner's definitely got to be Frankie and uh, Yair. Uh, yeah. There's elbows from the ground where... I mean, it, his eye looked like he had a golf ball hidden in there or something. <laughs> no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. All right, let's move on to robbery of the year. Um, again, kind of like worst fight, this is a good thing. I didn't think there were really all that many robberies this year. I thought, you know, we give the judges and refs a lot of shit throughout the year. Uh, good on the judges, unless I'm missing a few obvious things. I didn't think there was... Uh, a ton to pick over. Yeah. Um, in, ter- in terms of decisions, I'm sure if you like really fine-combed it, there'd probably be a few. But Yeah, I mean, mostly for me it was like I saw it the other way, but I'm not like up in arms furious over the result. Uh, yeah. But anyway, my number five was Jake Matthews over Bohan Volkovich. Or Velekovic, excuse me. Uh, UFC Fight Night 121 in Australia. I mean, who really cares about either of these guys in the long run? I mean, maybe they'll end up being something, but I thought that it should have went the other way, clearly. But yeah, the judges did not agree. My number four <laughs> is Alistair Overeem over Fabricio Verdum at UFC 213. I thought, uh, at the same time, I'm not that mad about it because I've grown to hate Fabricio Verdum and <laughs> he was fighting just to do enough to eke out a decision instead of actually like just you know trying to finish the fight or at least trying to like you know make it clear uh, that he won but I thought he did enough to win but the judges gave it to Overeem my number three Joe Lozen over Marcin Held at UFC Fight Night 103 this one was pretty bad. It should probably be higher on this list, maybe even number one, but even Joe Lozen after the fight said, man, I think they got it wrong on this one. 
And you know that's not a good time when the guy that won thinks <laughs> he should have yeah. lost. Jim Lewis sounds probably the only person that would do that, though. That's true. That's true. One of very few. My number two, Rafael Sunsail over Marlon Marais. Marais, excuse me, um, at UFC 212. Like I said, it was close. Uh, split decision. I just thought it was pretty clear that Marais did enough to win uh, two rounds, and he should be undefeated in the UFC. But it is what it is. Not not anything that I'm, you know, uh, flipping tables over. But my number one is Tyron Woodley over Stephen Thompson at UFC 209. I legitimately thought Stephen Thompson won that fight. Clearly, yeah. it was a terrible fight, and I'm not going to get mad because Stephen Thompson had every chance in the world to really make it clear or really, you know, do something differently to make the result something else. But I really thought he won. If you're going to go for the criteria of round by round, I thought he won three out of the five rounds. So that's my number one. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that also. Um, I just have an outright winner here, but that was definitely my highest honorable mention. Um, I thought uh, Thompson definitely beat Woodley, especially coming off a draw. It's not like you really have to take it from the champion, I feel like. Yeah. Coming in an immediate rematch after that. But. So. Uh, my number one's going to be Anderson Silva beating Derek Bronson. Yeah, that's a pretty good one, too, actually. Yeah. yeah. As much as I like Anderson Silva, I just feel like he's been terrible. I definitely thought he lost it. It's been a decision anyway. Um, as close as he was to finishing that fight, I feel like he does not do enough to win these decisions. And I by no means did I think he had won the decision going into the sword cards. I yeah. thought Brunson was uh, justified in being upset about that. Yeah, I didn't think it was as much of a robbery as a lot of people did, but I can certainly see the argument, and I, pro- I probably would have given the fight to Brunson slightly. Yeah. But, yeah, that's a good call. All right, let's move on from robbery to upset of the year. <coughs> I think the number one is pretty clear on this, but let's see what I thought uh, number five through two were. Number five, Felice Herrig over Alexa Grasso at UFC Fight Night 104 early in the year. Alexa Grasso came in as this hotshot prospect. Next big thing, won her debut against Heather Joe Clark, I want to say. And Felice Herrig, who I was sleeping on all year. She had a great year in the end. Um, came in and just put her in her place and said, you got some work to do, kid. And, uh, and upset her by decision, I believe. My number four was Jorge Masvidal over Donald Cerrone at UFC on Fox 23. This was when Donald Cerrone was on like a three or four fight win streak since moving up to welterweight. Seemed like if he could beat Masvidal, he would be right there knocking on the door of a title shot. And Masvidal knocked him out twice thanks to Herb Dean. <laughs> Uh, at the end of the first round, it was over. Herb Dean lets it go into the second round and brutally, brutally gets knocked out again early in the second round. I think Herb Dean is to blame for all of Donald Cerrone's woes in uh, <laughs> 2017. No, obviously that's uh, a bit of an exaggeration, but it was a pretty bad uh, thing to have happen. And uh, yeah. it was a bad loss. I mean, Masvidal, great fighter. Shoot, not that big of an upset, but just for me, with the momentum of Cowboy at the time, it was a big upset. 
Number three, Neil Magny over Carlos Condit, UFC 219. I just, I really, really was confident Condit was going to come in, at least win a dominant decision, if not get a late finish, and I was oh so wrong about that. Yeah. Number two, Robert Whitaker over Jacare Souza, UFC on Fox 24. This, uh, at the time, I mean, he goes on and beats UL Romero for the interim title and is now the official title holder. Even that was a big upset of yeah. me. But I, I thought Jacare was going to have his number. I'm a huge Jacare fan, and I thought he was going to be able to get it to the ground and, and submit him. But Robert Whitaker's takedown defense is incredible. Uh, his striking on the feet is also incredible. And he... Uh, he shocked the world, and he's uh, made quite the name for himself. So that's my number two, and the number one clearly has clearly, to be, clearly, yeah, has to be Rose Namajunas uh, TKOing Ioana Jacek at UFC 217. One of the biggest upsets of all time. Maybe, yeah. I mean, Ioana on her what five or six fight title defense, undefeated. I mean, she's made. Other great fighters like Jessica Andrade look helpless against her. Rose Namajunas, who has already previously lost to Karolina Kovalkovich, to Carla Esparza. I thought... Claudia twice, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I thought this was going to be a fun fight, but I thought Ioana was easily going to win. Yeah, and I think it makes it even that bigger run upset how dominant Rose was. Right, it was not a fluke. She knocked her down twice. She was never in trouble at all in the whole fight. I'll never forget my reaction to the fight. And even, just, I, I mean, Ioana says she didn't, but she tapped the strikes, basically. She clearly <laughs> did. She clearly did. Yeah. Whatever she's got to tell herself. I'm a huge Ioana fan, but yeah. if she's got to tell herself she didn't to, to move forward, then that's fine. But she definitely yeah. did. Um, yeah, my reaction was basically just to sit there slack-jawed and silent in shock, total and complete shock when it happened. Yeah, I was yelling and waking your kids up. <laughs> yeah, you bet. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, incredible, incredible yeah, stuff. I definitely uh, concur with the, all that, basically. Nice. All right, let's move on. We're getting to uh, some of the bigger categories here. Submission of the year. Which I feel like it definitely has a clear winner. Uh, oh, for sure. Good, good runners up, but <laughs> yeah, there's. I thought there was a lot of good submissions, and one great greatest submission of all time this year. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, like you said, not much of a decision as far as which was number one. But uh, for me, I had Valentina Shevchenko arm barring uh, Juliana Pena, UFC on Fox 23, as my number five. I just thought uh, this fight coming in was like for the number one contender, and Pena was on a roll. Seemed like people, a lot of people, myself included, thought her offensive wrestling and ground and pound would give Shevchenko a lot of fits, but uh, it wasn't to be. Shevchenko was incredibly impressive, and we knew her as more of a striker, and here she is coming in and gets a sweet arm bar against Juliana Pena to put an end to to the bout. Uh, My number four, Demetrius Johnson, arm-barring Wilson Hayes at UFC on Fox 24. First time Hayes 
uh, Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt had ever been submitted. Uh, just incredible. Um, what can you say about Mighty Mouse at this point? He's he's yeah. done it all. Uh, number three, Brian Ortega, which we just talked about. Guillotine over Cub Swanson, UFC Fight Night 123. Just incredible. If you haven't had a chance to see it, check out the highlights because he puts on a clinic of just snatching something out of thin air and it seems like as soon as he has something his his uh, his squeeze is pretty good and you're not going to get out of it so. definitely the best jiu-jitsu player in the MMA not coming out of Brazil yeah yeah probably uh, my number two was another recent one Brett Johns uh, with a calf slicer against Joe Soto at UFC 218 just a really cool uh Something you don't see very often. I think it was only the second time in UFC history and came out of nowhere. Like, I didn't even realize what happened at first. And in replay, it was like, oh, that's what happened. But uh, really good stuff there by Mr. Brett Johns, the British man. Number one, though, it's got to be. DJ's. (laughs) What is it called? I was actually going to say... I can't think of one. Uh, Calvin Qatar's guillotine over... <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, Demetrius Johnson, uh, Mighty Wizbar. Mighty Wizbar, that's what you're calling Over it. Ray Borg, AUFC 216. Uh, I call it... I mean, not me. I mean, I, I've someone else said this that I, I like it better. The mousetrap armbar. Yeah. But uh, basically, s- slams Ray Borg... And then while in midair, in the process of slamming him, transit jumps and transitions into an armbar immediately. Incredible. I legitimately think it's the greatest submission of all time. Demetrius yeah, Johnson, I mean, you are a he superhero. Was, he was put, putting on a clinic in that fight as it is, and then to hit that, it was just, they put an exclamation mark, put an exclamation mark on the record. Yeah. Uh, Incredible. It was the best way it could have happened, really. No doubt about it. I just can't say enough good things about Demetrius Johnson a guy who I have not always been the biggest fan of but man he won me over this year alright you go from submission to knockout this was I think hold on I got got, uh, something else to mention there Uh, OSP I guess will be my 3-2 it's only been 5 Von chokes. he had 2 of them this year he's got 3 of them he has 3 of 5 yeah well, two of them he hit this year in 2017, so OSB both his bomb flu jokes um, in April and September, respectively. No, that's a good call, for sure. Yeah. Bomb flu joke. Yeah, let's move on to knockout of the year, which, like I was going to say, uh, I think is one of the most stacked categories uh, of the year. I think there was just so many great knockouts in all of MMA in 2017. Yeah, um, it was really hard to even narrow it down to five, but uh, I tried my best. Uh, my number five, Mike Perry, elbowing Jake Ellenberger to death at uh, UFC Fight Night 108. I mean, just out of nowhere, a short, clean elbow that just destroyed him uh, in a flurry and dropped him out cold. Amazing stuff. Yeah. Uh, number four is that Marlon Marias <coughs> knee kick over Aljamain Sterling that left him stiff and seemingly dead. 
Um, absolutely brutal. Very, <laughs> very brutal. Uh, you're probably going to be surprised that my number three is Francis Ngannou Ooh. uppercutting Al Surverim out of the cage at UFC 218. A lot of people had this as number one, and in a lot of years it would be because it was incredible. One of the most vicious punches of all time. But I've got better than that. I've got number two, Matt Brown, <laughs> machete elbow <laughs> over Diego Sanchez at UFC Fight Night 120 in Norfolk. My I forgot about God. that one. That's My God. <laughs> the way I he just, he lines it up and just, it looks like he literally cut his head off the way he comes down with it across his face and head and Diego's just out instantly. Instantly. It was, yeah, it was freaking disgusting. But there's even better than that, in my opinion. Uh, he had a bad loss at UFC 219, but earlier this year, Edson Barbosa did something to Benil Dariush at UFC Fight Night 106 that just left me speechless, jaw dropped on the floor. I felt like he was losing this fight to Benil Dariush, getting pressured against the cage. It was a good fight. And he just jumps up out of nowhere, flying <clears throat> knee to the jaw, and drops him out cold instantly. Yeah. Like, Edson Barbosa is a freak athlete. Fast he twitch. He had the knockout of the year a while back with that spinning back kick of Terry Edom. I can't yeah. remember what year, but this was even better in my opinion. This was, God, the instantaneousness of it. Just like the split decision to jump and knee when he's getting pressured against the cage and knock this guy out. I, I thought it was amazing. Yeah, it was definitely badass. That's badass. Uh, Badass. <laughs> I guess I'll go three to one here. Uh, I'm gonna go number three. Holly Holm knocking out Betts Corhea. Like that you was said earlier, good too. folding her like an accordion. Nope. Uh, uh, and even she tried to get up and just flattened her with the uh, right hand. I think it was while she was like halfway trying to get up. That's brutal. Yeah. Um. Then I got Alexander Gustafson's uppercut from hell. On Alexander Gust or on uh, Glover Teixeira, <laughs> just fucking makes you feel bad for uh, Glover Teixeira even having to keep fighting after the loss <laughs> like that. Yeah. I mean, he got hit with like twenty five uppercuts in that oh, fight. Oh yeah, it was crazy the way he was spamming <laughs> those uppercuts. Coming off an uppercut loss to Anthony Johnson. Yeah, <laughs> so, and then. Uh, I, I got to get number one and gone. you just knocking the life out of Alistair Abraham. Yeah, can't argue it. It was, uh, especially in heavyweight, the two guys that are at the 260 mark or whatever, 265. Fucking that oh, was yeah. insane. The way that every punch, like, you know you're just waiting because any punch in a heavyweight division could be the end. And, yeah. man, he just came from Abraham's weight was going into it. came in, oh, this is bad. <laughs> I mean, and Overeem was stiff for, like, five minutes. Yeah. And there's been so many pictures, GIFs, and... Yeah. Oh, man. It's like a star-making thing. Like, he'll, Francis Ngannou will be known for this knockout for the rest of his life. Definitely. So, pretty awesome. 
Alright, uh, let's move on to disappointment of the year. Uh, sorry to go negative again, but uh, <laughs> it had to be done. My number five, Holly Holm. Yeah, she had the great knockout over Betch Cahaya, but who who wouldn't knock Betch Cahaya out these days? <laughs> yeah. no, probably a few people, but I don't know. Holly Holm had a shot at the featherweight title twice in uh, 2017 and came up short both times. She's just a perpetual disappointment to me following her win over Ronda Rousey. Yeah, there's been much to talk about afterwards. Yeah. Number four, Juliana Pena. Um, people might have forgot, but going into 2017, she was a win away from a title shot. Instead, she gets armbarred by Shevchenko and gets pregnant and is out for a while. I mean, there's nothing wrong with getting pregnant, but it's like, it puts her on the shelf, so... You said that, like, she got knocked out or something. <laughs> she got knocked out, then she got knocked up. And, uh... <laughs> no, it just means that she'll be on the shelf for a while and she'll have to work her way back into title contention, and I thought she would be there by the end of this year, so... Disappointed. Very disappointed in you for uh, having sex, Juliana. <laughs> My number three, Will Brooks. Uh... Comes over from Bellator with some hype on him. He was the Bellator champion. Let's see what he can do in the UFC. Well, he can't do much because he wins a decision over Ross Pearson, but then promptly loses three in a row that he absolutely had no right in losing and in terrible fashion. So uh, I don't know what to say. Will Brooks, get your shit together, man. Number two. It's Carlos Condit, again, for me. It's just, I can't say enough about how disappointed I was in that performance. and Hope he can come back again, but just my expectations will never be as high as they were for this comeback fight. And uh, my number one, it's Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Came into the year, like we said, on a tear at welterweight, looking to get into title contention. Loses to Jorge Masvidal by knockout, then loses a close, very close decision to Robbie Lawler, which I kind of thought he won, and then gets destroyed by Darren Till to get 0-3 on the year. Yeah, that's, uh, that was, Serenity's my number three to start with, but that was definitely disappointing. Um, he wasn't on a bad run, and then he lost to Masvidal, and they fought Till straight after that, yeah, and, it's always tough to see Donald Cerrone take those tough losses like yeah. that. Yeah, now I'm wondering. I mean, he's got Yancey Medeiros coming up. Like, where's he at? Can he win that fight? Yeah. Uh, no fucking idea. Um, my number two is going to be John Jones. Yep, uh, I should have been on my list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I've never been a John Jones fan, especially in the recent years. Uh, I tried to like him after all. I mean, he was or looked like one of the greatest of all time, but now he's two drug, te- just, uh, drug test failures deep, uh, a few arrests deep. Uh, and we, how many times are we going to let him come back from being a fuck up? And probably like three more times. Oh, probably a couple, but maybe four years from now. But yeah. <clears throat> anyway, he came back and looked. Pretty fucking incredible against Dana Gourmet and knocked him out. And like I said, four promptly he failed another drug test. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's just, there's not much else to say. Yep. It really is not. Uh, my number one is going to be Conor McGregor. 
not i mean it was cool to see the uh the mayweather fight come to fruition and see him get uh mcgregor sports entertainment rolling beat co-promoter it was awesome but then he goes and i feel like he's acted like a pompous douchebag since then no doubt uh, about it yeah he's no longer like the humble kid i want to like anymore he's just a fucking jackass completely agree i was such a huge connor fan after he beat eddie alvarez and was champ champ and i was i would defend him to anybody i would say no that's an act he's a humble guy he's a great guy now i still want to see him fight in the cage but that's it yeah he's just he's not doing himself any favors acting the way he is no not at all especially i mean legal troubles all that and everything and then when you're going out and basically being called cheating on your uh fiance or girlfriend to be wife to be which i think i don't know i just i don't like the way he's acting he's definitely yeah i was disappointed in that yeah he should have been on my list too but i i think i kept it inside the cage yeah which i mean short-sighted on my part but it is what it is yeah Let's move on to Newcomer of the Year. This is fighters who made their UFC debut in 2017. My number five was Ricardo Ramos, who I believe was on one of the tough Latin American seasons. I could be wrong on this. Forgive me if I am, but basically (laughs) he came in, and now I feel like I might be wrong, but he came in, he won an impressive fight, and then he was fighting Eamon Zahabi at UFC 217. Uh, a great fight. It was a fun fight to watch. It looked like he was on his way to losing a decision before he busted out an incredible spinning elbow knockout that just missed being on my top five knockouts of the year. And uh, I don't know. He's still really young, got a lot of room to grow, and has a lot of potential. So I, I put him as my number five. My number four... Cody Stammen, or Staman, whatever his name is. Uh, Bantamweight, <laughs> whatever the hell his name is. Uh, really on your radar. <laughs> Absolutely. He came in, won his, <laughs> won his first fight by a pretty dominant decision, but then he was matched up with Tom Dukenwa, a hotshot prospect uh, out of Canada, I believe, and for a second one. And he kind of just came in and did the same thing. He he out-muscled him, out-wrestled him, and nullified any of the striking that Duke and Walk, uh, had to offer and got a huge win in that case. Uh, my number three, Cynthia Calvillo. Despite losing to Carla Esparza, uh, she was still 3-0 three, <laughs> three and oh before that fight. And even with the loss, she still has put herself firmly in the top 10, top 15, and she's still young in the sport if not young in age and has room to grow has made a bit of a name for herself and i think uh you know she made a splash this year number two paulo costa boraquinho from brazil the guy incredible just a beast uh came in won his first fight then he won his second fight against aluale bangbose and then destroyed Johnny Hendricks in his third fight of the year. And I, I think he's um, he's kind of positioning himself as 
to oh, become. Oh, that's who just beat Johnny Hendricks? Yeah. Yeah, the young yeah, guy. He, he looked very impressive. He's putting himself in a position, I think, to be a huge star, at least for uh, the UFC in Brazil, if not overall. He's got the look. He's got the, the skills. He's, he's got it all. It's a clear winner here, though, yeah? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Justin Gaethje comes over from World Series of Fighting <laughs> and just puts on two crackerjack fights uh, to start his career and immediately has vaulted himself into top ten minimum at lightweight, the deepest division in the sport. Wasn't quite the clear winner, I was thinking, but... Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Who did you uh, I'm thinking uh, Volkan Ostemir. Yeah, that should be was a little... not in the UFC to begin 2017. I, I must have just didn't realize that he was. I, maybe I thought he came in towards the end of last year or something. Yeah, yeah. he should be my number two. But Yeah, so he's my number one, Volkan. He's looked very impressive. Beat uh, Misha Serkinov, I believe, and then somebody else. Well, first he beat OSP by decision. OSP, yeah, yeah. And then Misha. And then right. Jimmy Manoa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, I mean, coming to the UFC and and end the year with a title shot uh, announced, uh, how many people can do that? Not many, but uh, no love for Justin Gaethje? Uh, I guess. I just think there's more of the same of him getting knocked out to come. Now, he did put up very impressive fights, very entertaining fights, but uh, it didn't weigh for me from thinking that he blocks punches with his chin. I don't. Just never been a big fan of his uh, his fight style. Gotcha, gotcha. You know what I mean? I think he would have never been a champion if it wasn't in yeah. uh, World, World Series. Series Maybe you could be right. I mean, he definitely leaves himself open for it, but yeah. we'll see what happens. It, nonetheless, exciting fights whenever he's in the cage. Yeah, Probably no. for the detriment of his life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, comeback fighter of the year. Um, again, probably a clear cut number one, but let's see what I got here. Number five, Mateus Nicolau Pajera. Uh, he just recently came back. Uh, I think at UFC 219, flyweight fighter, who I was really impressed with. Uh, I can't remember if it was a year or two ago. And I thought he was going to make his way up the ranks and maybe give Demetrius Johnson a challenge before too long. But then he got he got busted, he got popped, and uh, he was sat on the shelf for a while. Came back, got right back on the horse. Uh, whooped up on uh, whoever he fought uh, at, on this card. And <laughs> looked like his skills were still right there and impressive. He's still pretty young, so... I, I'm still looking forward to what he can do in the flyweight division. My number four is Khabib Nurmagomedov. Um, it's kind of weird to put him in comeback fighter of the year, but it is true that the last time he fought before he dominated Barbosa was when he dominated Michael Johnson in November of 2016. was supposed to fight Tony Ferguson at 209 and had to pull out of that due to weight-cutting issues. So... <laughs> He found his way back in a big way. In a very strong way. Absolutely. My number three, one of my favorite fighters, uh, Korean zombie, Chan Sung Jung. 
comes back from uh, required military service. I want to say three or four years away from the sport. Oh, it should have been in my story of the year. Yeah, man, great story. And just melts Dennis Bermuda's face off with an uppercut. So, yeah, loved it. I love that he's back. And, of course, he got injured and has been out for a little bit. But I, I can't wait to see Speaking him. of that, real quick, this is a uh, side thing, but Do Hong Choi is going to have to go do the same thing. I know, at some point. We just don't know when. Yeah. It's crazy how that how that works. But, uh... Yeah. yeah, number two, RDA, Rafael Dos Anjos, uh, went 0-2 in 2016, comes back, moving up to welterweight, and goes 3-0, defeating Tarek Safadine, um, someone else, <laughs> and Robbie Lawler this year. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I can't remember uh, who's other, uh, Neil Magny, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he did to Neil Magny what I thought Carlos Condit would do. <laughs> <laughs> but clearly, number one, GSP, George St. Pierre, comes back, reclaims what was rightfully his the middleweight <laughs> belt. Uh, anyway, prominence. Oh, God. It was, I guess. I mean, I guess. No, I, I would give my number two to GSP. Um, I thought, of course, I wanted him to win. I didn't think his performance was all that amazing. <laughs> I think more so uh, Bisping's ground elbows were, uh, you know, made his performance not look as good. But uh, um, I thought GSP looked good on the feet. I thought he looked... Uh, about what you would expect, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know how you can call him comeback player of the year when he retires again a week later. Yeah, I mean, because he came back from a four-year layoff and won the highest mountain again. And probably did steroids, too. <laughs> no, he didn't. Never. He's not done. He'll, he'll be back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm t- this is going to be the last time I ever praise RDA. <laughs> but he is my comeback fighter. Nice. Here. I'm put, I am making this my ringtone. Uh, <laughs> uh, to come out to 170, I've been saying it the whole time. I think he's too small for welterweight, but lo and behold, he proves me wrong. Yeah, that beating he put on Robbie Lawler was definitely sufficient. Um, I mean, like I said, he, he tore his ACL with blade kicks, basically. Uh, he beat Neil Magny, who Neil Magny just whooped Con- Carlos Condit. He beat uh, who did he beat first? Uh, he beat Tarek Safadine. Yeah, uh, three solid welterweights and three people who I think are way bigger. Than- <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I would definitely give it to RDA to come back and have those three nice wins at welterweight. He's got to be up there towards title contention, and uh, I did not see that coming. Yeah, good call, good call. All right, now. Breakout fighter of the year. Uh, this is, this was, there was a lot of contenders for this as well. Um, this is basically anyone who, they don't have to be new, but they have to have hit another level and really, uh, you know, you get it. You people get it. You're smart enough to understand what a breakout fighter <laughs> is. What the hell am I talking about? Uh, <laughs> my number five is Darren Till. I just feel like at least you or I did not really know who he was 
uh, this time last year. And by the end of the year, he is a top 10 welterweight and not that far away from a title shot, maybe. Uh, Just came in and takes care of Donald Cerrone. I think he... I think he won two or three fights this year, but big things to come for the guy, uh, at least potentially. He's going to have the opportunity at the least, and can't wait to see what he does with it. I think he's got real star potential for uh, for the crowd in England. My number four. Manchester. Yes. No, he's not from Manchester. Oh, I thought he was. I believe it's Liverpool. Oh, okay. Beatles territory. Same <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, my number four is Max Holloway. Now, granted, he was already the t- uh, interim title holder at the end yeah. of 2016 and was clearly one of the best in the division. But I just think I went from like liking the guy and thinking he was really good to like bowing down at the altar of Max Holloway in 2017. The way he dismantled Jose Aldo twice, I think his skill set... He's one of the best in all of mixed martial arts. I would favor him over Conor McGregor in that rematch. I'm just, he's in my top three or four pound for pound right now. And, uh, yeah. I wouldn't have said that a year ago. So he's my number uh, four. Yeah. I don't know if I'd favor him over Conor McGregor, but. I would. Because uh, I already said that. Number three, <laughs> Vulcan Ozdemir. I did put him on this list. Uh, maybe I didn't have him as my newcomer. But he's number three on my breakout fighter of the year for all the reasons you've already said. The guy went from I literally had no idea who he was to now he's got a title shot in a couple weeks, and I'm excited to see it. And I give him a legit chance of pulling off the upset. So, yeah. well done, Vulcan. Just uh, get the get those charges cleared up with the assault and battery. Number two, <laughs> Robert Whitaker. Again, we've talked about how he he came out and had two big upsets this year to win the interim belt against Jacare Souza and Souza and uh, Yoel Romero. When before this, he was uh, at one point he was a welterweight that lost to Stephen Thompson, and then he goes up to middleweight and just kind of steadily improves and improves. And at this point, you could say he's a top. 10 pound for pound fighter in the world so awesome yeah. awesome stuff and uh he's headlining a pay-per-view in his home country in a in I another favor him to win too i do too but that's going to be an amazing fight uh yeah. i can't wait to see that but number one for me he didn't win my knockout of the year but francis Ngannou is my breakout fighter of the year i just think he only fought twice at the beginning of the year against Arlovsky and at the end of the year against Irvine. But, yeah, we, you kind of knew who he was coming into the year. <laughs> but the way he just dismantled these two veterans, sure, they're known for glass jaws. But they could have had jaws of steel. And the shots he's landing on these people are going to put him out. And he gets a big test later this month against Stipe Miocic for the heavyweight championship yeah. of the world. And I favor Francis Ngannou. Awesome fight. Oh, yeah, I, 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 amazing. I would say I have like a 51-49 towards Francis, but I think uh, I think anything could happen. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. 
Uh, yeah, I have a lot of the same. I don't have the same winner. Um, Ted Francis, um, Voldemir. Uh, Voldemir. I mean, Volkan. Bo- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Voldemort? Uh, Voldemort, yeah. Uh, Francis, Volkan, uh, Darren Till. But, however, my winner breakout fight of the year is Rose Namajunas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just, it, it was nice to see her. I've said it a million times already. It was nice to see the, it was the biggest upset of all time, probably. Uh, his dominant performance, unexpectedly. Uh, it's just good to see her flourish, and uh, I expect big things from her going forward. I agree. Yeah, she was probably my number six. So, a lot of breakout stars. That's what happens when uh, your biggest stars are on the shelf. You have a chance yeah. to get some new ones up in there. But, uh, getting hit by the mob. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. <laughs> Uh, let's move on to card of the year. This is a big category. Um, we've said not 2017, not the year 2016 was. I really feel like uh, there was like pay-per-view after pay-per-view that was just a home yeah, run last year. Last year. Yeah. But for me, there was a clear number one and a clear, clear top three or four. Uh, but I'll, I'll start it off with number five, UFC 216, uh, headlined by Tony Ferguson versus Kevin Lee. You also had Demetrius Johnson versus Ray Borg, Fabricio Verdum versus Walt Harris, which was supposed to be Fabricio Verdum against two. Who was it? Mark was Hunt? It? Mark Hunt, right? Yeah. I want to say. Gosh darn it, now I can't remember. Uh, no, Derek Lewis. It was supposed to be Fabricio. No, it was supposed to be Fabricio Verdun versus Derek Lewis, but uh, Derek Lewis is back. Uh, uh, yeah, he pulled up. out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you also had uh, Lando Venado, Bobby Green on the undercard, and uh, yeah, I mean there was some good fights. I, this was uh, one that basically just kind of exceeded my expectations. Like going into it, I didn't think it looked all that great, but then in practice a lot of fun fights, a lot of finishes actually not that many finishes <laughs> <laughs> on the main card there was four submissions uh, on the undercard not, not as many finishes anyway uh, <laughs> it was a good card it was a good card in 2016 it probably would have been like 10th or 11th but it was number 5 yeah. in uh, this year number 4 UFC 211, uh, I want to say it was in Dallas, Texas, headlined by Stipe Miocic, knocking out Junior Dos Santos. You had Ioana Janjacic, the dominating Jessica Andrade, Damian Maya, defeating Jorge Masvidal, Frankie Edgar, and his said whooping of Yair Rodriguez. <laughs> Eddie Alvarez versus Dustin Poirier in uh, a contest. freaking incredible fight that ended in no contest in a, on the undercard. Yeah, undercard was pretty great as well with James Vick knocking someone out, Chase Sherman knocking someone out, Jason Knight defeating Chaz, Chaz Skelly in a, in a third round. That was a great card. Uh, I think that's probably the most forgotten card because it, it went down in May and then we had some pretty great cards towards the end of the year. Uh, my number three, UFC 214 in Anaheim, California headlined by the much-talked-about John Jones versus Daniel Cormier and the incredible head kick knockout or head kick followed up by uh, ground-and-pound TKO. 
Yeah, you had Tyre Woodley versus Damian Maia, which you have proclaimed the worst fight of all time. But <laughs> it was still a title fight. And uh, it re- this card was so good, it didn't really matter. You had Chris Cyborg winning her featherweight title against Tanya Evinger. You had Volkanos, Demir knocking out Jimmy Manuel, Robbie Lawler versus Donald Cerrone, Ricardo Lamas and Jason Knight, Brian Ortega against Hinato Moicano on the uh, undercard. What paper that could have been one of the better cards, like best cards. Yeah. Aljamain Sterling, Hennon Burrell. Good, good stuff. UFC 214. Shout outs to Alex Kidwell, who was there for his birthday in his first ever live event. Lucky SOB. Yeah. Went over two. UFC 218, um, headlined by Max Holloway against Jose Aldo for the second time. TKO punches in the third round, even more dominant than the first time he beat him. You had Francis Ngannou and the famous knockout of Alistair Overeem, Cejudo Pettis, Alvarez Gaethje, Tisha Torres, Michelle Waterson. Even the undercard was ridiculous with one of the Fight of the Year contender Yancey Medeiros versus Alex Oliveira, Paul Felder, Charles Oliveira. Need I say more? I will not. <laughs> <laughs> but my clear number one, maybe my favorite uh, pay-per-view event of all time, UFC 217 in New York. Hey, where's Bellator New York at? Who cares? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe like... Uh, 13th, 14th, I don't know. Probably even lower than that for me personally. But uh, George St. Pierre defeats Michael Bisping in the main event. TJ Dillashaw against Cody Garbrandt in the co-main event. We had the huge upset of Rose against Ioana. Stephen Thompson, Jorge Masvidal, Paulo Costa, Johnny Hendricks. The freaking prelims were incredible as well. James Vick knocks out Joseph Duffy. Mark Godbeer. Uh, defeats Walt Harris by getting kicked in the head after a, a referee stoppage. Uh, OSP head kick knockout of Corey Anderson, Randy Brown, Mickey Gall, Curtis Blades, Alexi Olenek, and Ricardo Ramos with the spinning yeah. against David Zahabi. Amazing. Yeah, all those were on my list. Uh, 217 was definitely one of my top favorite cards of all time, too. I mean, uh, the Rose win, um, you know, the Garbrandt, uh, Dillashaw, uh, Bisping. It was just an incredible atmosphere. I mean, you had all the people at your house. It was so much fun to watch. It was so exciting. Uh, I put it up there. It was like the first DSP regular card uh, in terms of excitement watching it live for me. Yeah, I agree. It's incredible. So, and it was, I mean, I expected it to be great. I did not expect it to be as great as it was. I mean, there's those three title fights in a row it's like almost too much of a good thing three champs losing yeah three belts changing hands unbelievable yeah. all right only four categories remain in the second annual red belt awards let's move oh, on no, no, no. what's that no, i was just putting some theme music in there oh yeah i gotta, I gotta have it <laughs> <laughs> uh, round of the year is next uh, I always have a tough time with round of the year because uh, I have I usually just pick my favorite fights of the year and then try to decide uh, what, what was the best round here. Uh, yeah. So not exactly my, my shiningest moment as a uh, category and 
selection maker. That's words. <laughs> My number five, Eddie Alvarez versus Justin Gaethje, round two, UFC 218. Uh, I'm just going to go through these real fast because it's really going to overlap with my fight of the year. I'll go into more there. Number four, Yancey Medeiros versus Alex Oliveira, round one. Number three was Cody Garbrandt versus TJ Dillashaw, round one. And number two, Dustin Poirier versus Anthony Pettis, round two. Uh, Just so much scrambling and, like, back and forth on the – feet on the ground everywhere on that one uh but my number one is michael johnson versus justin gaethje round two at the tough 25 finale nice nice uh yeah my number one was actually J- uh johnson gaethje round one. Oh, okay yeah hard to get wrong either round there yeah yeah i mean that was a hell of a fight but uh gaethje got rocked i think it was towards the end of round one and uh, leading leading into the second round, uh, way before there, I think it makes the first round even that much better. Yeah, it was awesome, awesome with the capital A. Yay, baby! Should we move on to fight of the year? Uh, should we? Let's do it. My number five fight of the year was it Eddie Alvarez. <laughs> Justin Gaethje at UFC 218 um, probably didn't quite meet the expectations that I had for it because they were just so ridiculously sky high, but still an incredible fight, back and forth. They Neither of them gave a shit about defense. It was all about coming forward, trying to knock each other's heads off, and that's exactly yeah. what Eddie Alvarez did to Gaethje in the third round with a vicious knee knockout. Uh, yeah, uh, love Justin Gaethje. He just his style. He's gonna lower his head and come winging punches and let you do the same thing to him. So, great stuff. My number four is one that I think is really underrated just based off hearing other people's lists and and stuff like that. It's Dustin Poirier versus Anthony Pettis at UFC Fight Night 120 in Norfolk the main event there i i just thought that was an incredibly back and forth fun fight that it had everything it had you know striking wrestling jujitsu uh blood it had uh and it ended it ended weird with like a, a pulled muscle or something but i mean both of those guys just gave it all just poured it all into that cage and and two of my favorite fighters to watch, and I, I thought they put on an incredible show. So that's like my most underrated fight of the year, but it's my number four. Number three, Yancey Medeiros versus Alex Oliveira. Certainly oh, not one. <laughs> yeah. If we're going maybe purely like just most fun fight to watch, this might be number one. But yeah. for me, I try to put like stock in the meaning meaningfulness of it. But this one was just so good. It's hard to hard to ignore. Certainly going into into it, I thought it could be a fun fight, but these guys both knocked each other out about four or five different times each, and uh, pretty incredible stuff. I think anyone would enjoy watching it, 
even if they're only a casual MMA fan. And if they're a casual MMA fan, they're certainly not listening two hours into an MMA podcast. So why am I even saying that? Number two, John Jones versus Daniel Cormier. Yes, there are a lot of issues as far as after the fight. It's turned into a no contest, yada, yada, yada. But the fight itself was simply sensational. I mean, so evenly matched the first two rounds. Jones coming back from layoff looks as good as ever. Cormier looks to be at his best he's ever been, and they're just yeah. I thought I thought Cormier looked a lot better in the first two rounds of this fight than he did the whole of the first fight. Yes, hundred percent. And then Jones times the the high kick perfectly, just cracks him like it was a baseball bat, and yeah, chases feeling. him down. And puts the finishing touches on. Just, even just even after the fight, like the like I said, the post fight speech, which at the time was like real, like was just awesome. Calling out calling out Brock Lesnar and Cormier crying on on TV, and it had it all. It had all the blood, sweat, <laughs> tears that you would want. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, but my number one. Michael Johnson versus Justin Gaethje, of course. Yeah. Are you kidding That's me? Gotta be clear. Are you kidding me? These guys were just nut jobs. No regard for humanity. Just uh, can't can't even uh, go into it. Everyone's everyone's seen it. It's it's sensational. Yeah, incredible. Did you mention uh, Tim Elliott Lewis? No, but that was a fun fight. That was a great fight. It was a lot of, lots of scrambles, lots of back and forth. Um, pretty much everything you look for in one of these lighter weight fights, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. I love the scrambles. I love the jujitsu guys kind of matching wits. Because sometimes when they match up jujitsu players, they kind of just have a boring sparring session. But when, yeah. when they can actually get uh, on the ground and, and exchange some. Uh, some moves there. That's pretty cool. Like uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. and Eric Spicely also had kind of a an awesome match like that this year. I'm surprised you didn't say Ryan Hall versus Gray Maynard. Oh, <laughs> I actually enjoyed that fight, but uh, I forgot that it was even this year. But I don't even want to talk about it. That fight pissed me <laughs> off so much. I know, I know it did. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> He just dropped on the ground and tried to grab his ankle. <laughs> tried to drop down and grab to his ankle. Yeah. <laughs> Was your number one Johnson Gaethje? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Definitely. I mean, how could it not be? Seriously. All right. I mean, also, I mean, a close second, I would put the Alvarez Gaethje fight also. Yeah. Yeah. Just Gaethje. He's fight of the year Gaethje. machine. Until he just dies on the mat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Could happen. His right. chin has just got to be taking beating. We're here for the big guns. Female fighter of the year is up. Um, I'll start it off. My number five, I haven't heard mentioned at all in any of the conversation for female fighter of the year. But I'm giving her some props here. It's Caitlin Vieira. Um, she's 2-0 in 2017. She beat Ashley Evans-Smith. And then she had a big upset over Sarah McMahon. And in a depleted ba- women's bantamweight division, she's one or two wins away from a title shot. So I thought she set herself up nicely this year. 
Uh, it is my number five. Number four, inaugural flyweight champion Nico Montano, after winning the Ultimate Fighter season and uh, championship fight against Roxanne Modafferi. She could have been breakout fighter of the year as well, in consideration, considering, again, no one knew who she was, and now she's a champion. Yeah. So, that's awesome. She probably will not hold that belt long, but gotta <laughs> give her props where, while, she, while we still can. Yeah. Uh, number three for me, Amanda Nunes. Uh, she, she kept her belt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, you're the worst. <laughs> uh, she defended her belt. And uh, I still think she's the best in the world at 135. I'd love to see her go up and fight Cyborg, who is my number two, Cyborg Santos. Um, she's, we've talked about her a lot this episode. She's amazing. She's probably the best women's uh, MMA fighter of all time. And she continues to prove that every time out. But number one female fighter yeah. of the year Thug Rose, Nami Yunus, such a great year. 2-0, and but two big wins. She knocks out Michelle Waterson on Fox, and then she comes back, shocks the world, as we've said, and defeats Yuani and Jacek, who also could be one of the greatest female fighters of all time. Yeah, uh, I think that's a pretty clear-cut 1-2-3. Yes. Um, I, th- I don't... I, I mean... Rose was coming off the page fight before she before she up Watterson, right? Um, I want to. I could look it up, but I'm just gonna say. Yeah, I think so. Uh, either way, she's looked dominant in all her previous fights, and then to come out and do that to Juana, it's like we've said before a million times, it was one of the biggest upsets of all time. Uh, so she's got to be number one. Cyborg, there's nothing really else to say besides her. I just can't wait for her to lose and be done. Actually, you're incredibly <laughs> wrong. Uh, Paige Van Sant fight was in December 2015. She came, she came back, defeated Tisha Torres, then lost to Carolina Kowalkiewicz, then came back uh, and beat Michelle Waterson. I am incredibly wrong. Incredible <laughs> year. Huge. Yep. <laughs> uh, what's your male fighter of the year? Uh, my male fighter of the year was a big. It was a tough tough decision between DJ and Max Holloway. However, uh, I'm going to have to give it to Demetrius Johnson with breaking the record and hitting uh, the badass uh, mousetrap on Ray Borg and submitting uh, Wilson Hayes, uh, who's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So. Breaking Anderson Silva's record with title defense is impressive. I think he's going to continue and break Anderson's uh, fight streak record, I think. I think he'll probably go down as the best fighter of all time. Nice. That's a strong statement there. Especially since he's fighting your boy next, most likely. But, yeah, we'll uh, see. We'll see. We'll see. I'll do my top five again. My number five, George St. Pierre. Uh, yeah, he only fought once, and it was a hand-picked matchup against Michael Bisving to win the middleweight championship. But just... I can't think back on this year and not think of it as the year that George came back and won a second belt and cemented his status as the greatest of all time. So I got to put him in here. My number four, Tony Ferguson. I just feel like 
the promise was fulfilled. He got his interim belt. Sure, it would have been better if he would have fought Khabib at 209, but... It's not his fault. It's not his fault whatsoever. He's still one of the best fighters in the world. And now he set himself up either for a huge fight against Connor or Khabib or whoever. He's he's put himself on another level in 2017. Uh, but my top three, I think, are clearly just the three best fighters of the year. Number three, Robert Whitaker. Again, beat Jacare and Romero and is the official middleweight champion of the world right now. So that's a, that's a great resume. As far as, like, competition-wise, those are probably the two toughest guys that anyone has beat this year. Yeah, I think he definitely has the potential to be fighter of the year next year, especially with the win over Rockhold. And- yeah, say he beats Rockhold and Weidman or or whatever. I mean, middleweight's pretty pretty good up at the top there, so... Yeah. If he can, uh, if he's still the champion at the end of the year, he'll be right back in this discussion, no doubt about it. Yeah. Number two, Max Blessed Holloway. Again, one of my favorite fighters to watch. He beat Jose Aldo twice in 2017. If he would have got the shot against Frank Yeager the second time around, and was 2-0 with a win over Jose Aldo and Frankie Yeager, he probably would have been my number one. And it's not his fault, but I don't know. As impressive as it was, to beat the same guy twice, and that's all he did in the year, it just uh, it puts him down a smidge as far as I'm concerned. But the guy yeah. just, he went from, you know, uh, a I've already said it. He went from a guy who was, like, a great fighter, but not sure how good he could be, to, like, one of the best going around yeah. right now. My number one. I think. Go ahead. I, I think him beating Jose Aldo twice is impressive. I don't think it's a knock at all. No, me either. And I hope what I said didn't come across as that. I just mean it would have been that much sweeter for him and for his case here, if it would have been oh, yeah, Aldo definitely. and Edgar, like the clear. If he two would best be Edgar, I think he he would definitely have a uh, be like a tie for first. I mean, yeah, but, but yeah, you're yeah. right. Demetrius Johnson has got to be the fighter of the year because he basically he fought two great great for flyweight challengers. I mean Wilson Hayes, Jiu-Jitsu black belt, who never been finished, but he. It's not like he just beat these guys. He embarrassed these guys. He barely took any damage in either fight. He completely whooped up on... He's picking Wilson Hayes out of thin air. He's submitting him uh, a black belt who's never been submitted. He's doing whatever the hell he wants. Same with Borg. He's... What, he took four punches against him in that entire fight? He's just... He's getting like... Stuffing a takedown, sitting on Borg's back, and, like, checking his watch, looking up at the thing, like, okay, here we go. The guy (laughs) is just superhuman. He's on another level. It pulls off the greatest submission of all time. This is a guy who I used to root against. Like, I used to think he's boring. He doesn't finish fights. Uh, Ho-hum. I've come so far around that he's one of the guys I look forward to fighting more than anyone just because... To see what he can do next, because he's just improved. He was already amazing. If yeah, 
I mean, he wasn't finishing fights, but he was still incredibly talented. Now he's finishing fights at will. He's he's a great guy. He's a family man. He's nothing like for sure. There was no Definitely reason humble. for there was no reason for me not to like him other than just his fighting style wasn't my favorite. And now I can't even say that the guy is is amazing. Yeah, I completely agree with all the sentiments. I mean, I hope uh, like the mainstream catches on with those too because. I mean, I never really disliked DJ, but he wasn't what I looked forward to. And just like you said, I look forward to seeing him fight now, and I hope more people catch on with that feeling. Yeah. Because he definitely deserves that kind of hype. No doubt about it. Um, Yeah. 2017, year of Mighty Mouse. What will 2018 bring? Stay tuned. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Me too. I really think 2018 is going to be a huge rebound year. For the UFC, at least the first couple of months, some of these cards are pretty stacked. Uh, three amazing title fights coming up in the first two months. Yeah, uh, they we'll, got stacked to negotiate that contract. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But uh, we'll get all into that. Stay tuned. Uh, follow us over to Fallon to Communicate in a, in a couple weeks here. I think our first episode will be reviewing... UFC, the, the next Fight Night card, I want to... What is it? Uh, I'll look it up real quick, but... Well, I think... 124. Uh, who the hell is on that card? I think it's a decent card. Uh, oh, Jeremy Stevens versus Duho Choi. Yeah, it actually is a pretty good card. Yeah, that is a good fight. You also got Vitor Belfort, Uriah Hall. Paige Van Tan is on there. Kamar Usman against Emil Meek. Darren Elkins, Michael Johnson. There's some good stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that, and we'll do all of our predictions for 2018, what we're looking forward to, what we think is going to happen, as well as video games, movies, and TV, which will be the new format. So please. Sir, come check it out. Thanks for uh, sticking with us through all these episodes, and we ain't going nowhere. We'll be around. Uh. All right, anticlimactic ending. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>